1: Welcome to The Firing Line with Philip Neyman. The Firing Line radio show is brought to you by Bullseye Sports in Riverside, the Riverside Indoor Shooting Range, CCW Safe, Cutting Edge Bullets, Prado Olympic Shooting Park in Chino, Vortex Optics, Vortex, the Force of Optics, and by Philip Neyman and Cornerstone Christian Wealth Management. And now your host, Philip Neyman.
0: Bad.
2: I'm the guy with the gun.
3: Hello, this is Rick Travis on Firing Line Radio. I'm the Executive Director of the California Rifle and Pistol Association, filling in for your great host, Phil Nayman, who is out this week. And today we have a wonderful show lined up for you to help educate you on what's going on in California, to give you a look behind the curtain of The Wizard of Oz, Called Governor Newsom and what they're doing up in Sacramento. We'll be looking at what's going on on a national basis with the NRA and what's happening in San Francisco in a later segment. And we're going to finish with the invasion of California. And we're going to be talking about what has been hidden from you, and we're going to bring it out into the light. But first with me is The California Rifle Pistol Association's full-time lobbyist dedicated to only one thing, and that's defending your Second Amendment rights here in the state of California, along with all your hunting and conservation rights. And that is the former Assistant Chief of the Department of Fish and Wildlife, Mr. Roy Griffith. Roy.
4: Thanks for having me. It's
3: great to have you on today. Roy, right now we're at that place where everything is pretty much making its last limped legs. Over to the Governor's desk out of our Assembly and Senate who has failed to represent us properly on the Second Amendment. Can you highlight just a couple of the items that are coming up onto the governor's desk and why we should be concerned and what last-minute things the people listening to the show can do?
4: Well, starting with what they can do is is get a hold of their representatives and tell them enough is enough. Uh, California has done everything they can for what everybody's calling common-sense gun control. We're there. We're beyond the needle of what other states are talking about as far as background checks and one gun a month, and we've been there for quite a while. Red flag laws, you know, as it stands right now, a law enforcement officer or immediate family member can go to a judge and say somebody's crazy and needs their guns taken away, and what better people to know, an individual, than their immediate family, and what better non-biased gatekeeper than law enforcement, but there's a bill, you know. Here, Mr. Ting has AB61 to extend that to almost anybody, basically co-workers and people you've gone to school with. These the very kind of people that can have an axe to grind with you. So obviously, we have great concerns about that. There's storage bills that can turn a law-abiding citizen into receiving basically the same status of a, so a felon just for having a gun behind their ranch door or a gun in a upright, um, unlocked case at a gun club or a duck club after coming in from a shoot that you're... Rifle, shotgun, sit there in the rack and dry off for a few minutes while you go rearrange decoys or whatever you choose on your property behind lot gates. these there's, there's the are two of our most concerning bills. And on the wildlife front, equally concerning, if not more, is what's going on with taking away individuals' rights, taking wildlife management out of the hands of professionals, i.e. the Fish and Game Commission, those governor-appointed individuals who are supposed to look at these matters, And they're taking these matters up on the floor, on the assembly floor, where, as you all know, we don't have a right. We, the people, cannot go in there and talk. They have a supermajority. We're the minority. Yesterday, the governor signed a bill to eliminate bobcat. I mean, we'll get to that. But yesterday, the governor signed a bill to eliminate trapping. Um, So much for science-based wildlife management, so much for letting professional scientists make these decisions, the legislature just decided, you know, they're not a fan of trapping and they don't like the way it feels to them and their tummy and their conscious, so they took it away. An incredibly important tool for wildlife managers to use to keep habitat in check with predators, especially ground-nesting um, birds and fowl on our wildlife areas. You know, people trapping some of these critters kind of help protect some of those ground-nesting birds. So that's been taken away. Up on the floor soon is the bobcat bill, to ban bobcat hunting in California, completely ban an animal that has been harvested legally and lawfully for years. The You know, the fur industry is what made California, made California, pushed Manifest Destiny, got people in their wagons, and pushed them west, ultimately, find gold and turn our beautiful state into what it is. But it was first that got folks here first. And um, that has threatened an animal that is found, healthy populations in every county of the state except San Francisco. And that's not because of licensed hunting or trapping or anything. It's because San Francisco County is buried under parking lots, high-rises, golf courses, and everything else that the modern world craves. None of these critters have been put in these situations by regulated licensed hunting. So this ban is just absolutely wrong. It will be. It will set a precedent where the for the first time, this legislature will take away our rights to hunt and harvest a, a critter, a critter based on science, a harvest based on the North American model wildlife management. Just um, you can see, it's something that's very concerning to me because the folks that authored this bill. Um, made it very clear that their initial intention was bobcats and bears, and they were smart enough to realize that that was too big of a bite of the apple out the get-go. But,
3: but we know that. that. they
4: assured that they're going to be coming back next year to ban bears if this thing gets through with the governor's signature. So please, 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 I implore all your listeners to send the governor a strong message that leave wildlife management. In the hands of the professionals that he and previous governors appointed to make these decisions. And that's the Fish and Game Commission for the state of California. These are the folks that we should trust these matters with, as long as the Department of Fish and Wildlife. Them and their professionals are the ones that should be making decisions, not politicians. Yep. So I rambled on there, Rick, but I'm sorry. <laughs> you can tell it's something I'm very passionate
3: about. And I appreciate that passion, especially in a state that can be so egregious on a daily basis. But, you know, one of the things that always strikes me when you and I talk and we and we do that daily is that we live in a state that is moving from that that follows the Constitution being represented with the voice of the people, where the people have a voice, to very quickly becoming a tyrannical government because Sacramento is working diligently, as you point out, to pull just in this last bill that you talked about, the people's voice. Our voice is that game commission. That is where any of our listeners, anybody can go up and approach and talk to those five commissioners and the staff about what is necessary, what is needed. And I wanna highlight this one bill that you're talking about um, just as an example, not that it's the most egregious or that it's not egregious because it is, but I want people to start to realize that as you and I are talking, this bill originally started off to completely eliminate both bobcat and bear hunting. And you have a lot of the stats on on bobcats. As you know, Roy, I've been working with uh, the former um, biologist at, in the state, Mark Kenyon, for a little over almost a decade now on bear issues and bear facts. And we're at a point now where we have more bears than the carrying capacity, which is the ability for the state to naturally support because of taking dogs out of the hunt. And now if they completely remove hunters, that population is going to explode at the detriment of other wildlife because newsflash, the people that are in the Capitol building, all of them, don't have the background to understand how to manage wildlife. Would you agree?
4: Oh, absolutely. I mean, there might be one or two out of a couple of hundred that have any kind of scientific training. You wouldn't believe some of the things they say in committee that just show how out of touch they are with these situations and and these populations. and you're right, the bear quota has not been met. the department's own science, the department's own professionals, their own biologists say that 1700 bears should be harvested a year to, as you said, keep the bear population in check with habitat and, and other other critters that that own department set mandate has not been met in over six years since hound hunting was taken away. They're harvesting anywhere around 1,100, 1,200 bears a year, leaving 500 bears every year for the last six years that their own science says need to be harvested. So we're hearing more and more stories of bears in areas where they've never been before. There's numerous documented studies of, of kleptoparasitism, where bears are going in and stealing the kills of a mountain lion. mountain lion used to kill a deer on the north coast, feed on it for a week, And one deer, you know, one lion a week. Well, now, same mountain lion kills a deer, might get one feeding out of it. Bear comes along and says, thank you, Mr. Lion, takes that deer. And um, (laughs) we all know bears, Uh, they eat a lot more than a lion. They consume that deer in almost a day. And lion just says, "Oh well," and goes and harvests another deer. They're doing what lions do, you know. And so this has put an immense extra pressure on our blacktail populations on the north coast and elsewhere in the state. And there's there's many examples of this, um, scientific studies to show. So, um, obviously, very concerning, where it's just expanded the ability of bears to um, impact deers in ways they haven't before, as well as people's domestic livestock and and pets, and so on and so forth. So you just got to turn on the news almost any day of the week and you'll see a bear somewhere it really shouldn't be, which is right. not good for bears and not safe for people either.
3: So as we wrap up this segment, I want to make sure that the listeners know this. We are working around the clock at the California Rifle Pistol Association, literally around the clock with our staff, fighting these kinds of egregious attempts, but we can't do it without your help. You need to start calling your your local assemblyman, senator, and the governor's office. We'll be back in just a few seconds. A message from
5: Vince, the owner of Bullseye Sport Guns and Ammo in Riverside. If you're a first-time gun owner or thinking about purchasing your first firearm, whether for hunting, home defense,
6: or recreational shooting, it is important to take the next step and become a responsible gun owner. We highly recommend that you attend a certified firearm safety and training class, one that will teach you the basic knowledge, skills, and attitude essentials to the safe and efficient use of your firearm. As a law-abiding citizen, you have the right to self-defense, and with that right comes an obligation to educate yourself on the
5: laws and safety procedures needed to use a firearm properly. For information about certified firearm training classes, call Bullseye Sport in Riverside at 951-823-0211 or check out their schedule of classes at BullseyeSport.com. Because at Bullseye Sport Guns and Ammo, we believe in safety first. 951-823-0211.
1: Pull! This portion of the Firing Line is brought to you by Bullseye Sports in Riverside and the Riverside Indoor Shooting Range.
7: All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up.
5: See this? This is my boomstick!
3: Welcome back to the Firing Line Radio with Rick Travis, the Executive Director of the California Rifle Pistol Association. I want to reach out because the Firing Line stalwart sponsor, Bullseye Sports in Riverside, is having their seventh annual celebration of National Hunting, Shooting, and Fishing Day. Saturday, September 28th, with a special recording of the Firing Line radio show at 9 a.m. But wait, there's more. Bullseye will also be celebrating one decade of being a part of Riverside. Join Philip and the owner, Vince Torres, for the celebration. There'll be free raffle drawings throughout the day. Free use of the virtual reality shooting simulator. Riverside Police Department's canine demonstration. Food and refreshments and discounts throughout the store, including firearms and ammunition. Don't miss this day, Saturday, September 28th at Bullseye Sports. National hunting, shooting, and fishing day and Bullseye Sports' decade of serving the Inland Empire. Doors open at 9 a.m., but get there early. Bullseye Sports on Brockton between Arlington and Central and Riverside. For more details, call 951-823-0211. That's 951-823-0211. Or go to bullseyesport.com. Bullseye Sport, where the Inland Empire gets ready to hunt. So with me in this next segment is Dan Reed. Dan Reed is the NRA. That's the National Rifle Association Western Regional Director. We've been friends for years, and we're going to be talking about what has happened over the past week up in the city of San Francisco, which is covered with human crap and everything else and we need to look at that that doesn't just extend to what's on the streets but what is coming out of their government a government that is becoming tyrannical many of us have grown up thinking that would never happen here in the united states let alone in the golden state of california but ladies and gentlemen it's happening as we speak and it starts off with, for years, I have talked to people about why do we defend the Second Amendment, whether you, you have a firearm or don't have a firearm or desire to or not to. is not the question. It's the Second Amendment was put there by our founding fathers, like Madison and, and Mason and others, who said that was there to protect the rights of the first. And two of those rights I want to highlight obviously are the right to redress government and the right to peacefully assemble. Those are both acts where you're out there telling the government you disagree. And now the city council in San Francisco has said, you know what, if you disagree with us, we'll label you as an ideological terrorist organization, which is what they did with the National Rifle Association this week. And so talking in this first segment about what's going on with the NRA here in California and nationally on this is Dan Reed. Dan, what, how did that hit you when that came out this week?
2: Well, first off, Rick, thanks for for having me on the show today. Um, I appreciate you including us, and um, I think uh, when when this resolution was first introduced, uh, like most people, we we scratched our head, saying, "Wow, what a what a warped sense of reality this is uh, that a th- that the council is going to be wasting taxpayer dollars go after going after law abiding, hardworking." freedom-loving Americans, rather than addressing the numerous issues that are plaguing San Francisco, as you mentioned, from poop on the streets, a, a drug crisis, and uh, escalating crime.
3: Yeah. And, you know, As you say that, I keep thinking to myself, as, as, and we've talked before on this, Dan, but it is amazing how we're being used as a tool of those in power cause I won't even call them government cause they're not governing obvious by the problems that we're seeing, but how those in power are using those of us who are law abiding citizens who believe in the constitution as their distraction from their total failure to be able to take care of everything from infrastructural issues to public health issues. I mean, yeah, you know, I just got done reading a, a, an article this last week saying that we now have bubonic plague here in California in a couple of cities at a greater rate that they have in some third world nations. And I never thought I'd live to see the day where, you know, the plague, the thing that wiped out part of Europe several times over, as we all know from history, would be back in California and becoming a real threat, according to the Center for Disease Control. And to me, this seems like a distraction issue of let's go after the NRA and all the people that it represents and other organizations that work like the California Rifle Pistol Association with the National Rifle Association, Let's go after them and call them terrorist organizations. And the last time I checked in, you are nothing like al-Qaeda or Osama bin Laden.
2: Well, I appreciate you saying that, Rick. <laughs> um, obviously, uh, the supervisors are, are labeling law-abiding citizens in a certain way. And, and that just follows the trend that, that we've, we've seen here in California, where we get this flurry of gun bills every year. And they're not going after the criminal misuse of firearms. They're going after law-abiding citizens, restricting what firearms we own, what manner of carry we can utilize them, uh, how we have to keep them in our homes, et cetera, et cetera. It's, it's this all-out assault on on the Second Amendment and, and how we exercise that right, um, working hard to make it taboo. And when you look at, at criminals who are already ignoring the hundreds of gun laws that are on the books here in California they're they're paying little attention to the next one that's that's being pushed with uh, with the promise that it's going to uh, solve everything uh, when nothing could be further from the truth because uh, the legislature is continually going soft on crime as we've seen uh, just a few years ago as they got rid of uh, or they made mandatory minimums for use of a firearm discretionary, uh, uh, w- which is just ludicrous. You think that someone who is using a firearm unlawfully in the commission of a felony—that's the type of person that we can all agree on that that should be harshly punished, uh, not be getting a more lenient sentence in some cases. And they're they're all too willing to go after. Uh, firearms and magazines, uh, et cetera, that I've already lawfully purchased, that I already lawfully possess, trying to uh, to modify that or, or abandon
5: in certain instances.
3: Yeah, and you bring up a, a good point and one that we've talked about on this show before when I've been here with Phil, but, you know, we still have, I believe the last time we checked, over 10,000 fill-ins that the Department of Justice knows, their address knows that they are in possession of illegal firearms And yet we're spending money on crazy legislation going after law-abiding citizens, as you've said, and we're still not going after those people to get them off the streets. And yet when one of those criminals who, by the very definition of the word, do not follow the law, uses a firearm, then we, the law-abiding citizen, get blamed for it instead of them saying, hey, this is our fault because we're not using the funds we have to go after these criminals and apprehend them.
2: Yeah, absolutely. It's it's a major problem. It's it's, uh, a subject that is is constantly recurring. And that that list has has remained um, around 10,000, despite tens of millions of dollars being poured into um, uh, resources to, to go after those criminals. And I think that there should continue to be a focus on that to go after those known prohibited possessors rather than going after the law abiding.
3: Yeah, I think one of the things the listeners have to understand is, you know, the Department of Justice has not earned the trust of the Second Amendment community by any stretch of the imagination. But to just look at it from a management point of view, like it was anyone's business or workplace, the Department of Justice literally is being tasked by our legislature to handle so many things that it does not have the financing, nor does it have the human resources to do a third of the things that's been assigned. And yet every year, as we're seeing this year in the legislature, they're adding more and more, which makes it look like that the legislature is actually helping the criminal elements, which we'll talk about later in the show, expand their possession and hold over California. It's putting our law enforcement officers in detriment. It's putting you, the people, in detriment. And so every time, this is one of the reasons Dan Reed fights along with Roy Griffith, who was on earlier, myself and others throughout the state, is we're trying to fight for your rights to be able to defend yourself because law enforcement's ability to do it is being literally handcuffed by this legislature and this government here in the state of California. And you need to realize you can no longer afford to sit on the sidelines. You need to become engaged because you're fighting for your life and those of the ones that you love. You have the ability while there's still time in this state. And if you're thinking about running, both Dan and I and Roy will tell you, These people are running. I'll just use Texas as one of the places people want to go. Look at what's going on in Austin, Texas. Californians have moved there, and they're trying to reshape the legislature in Texas to be a mere reflection of California. So don't think you can run. Don't think you can hide. You need to stand and fight this battle along with the NRA, the California Rifle Pistol Association, Gun Owners of California, and others, because we're the people fighting for you. We'll be back in just a moment.
1: the answer. This portion of the firing line is brought to you by CCW Safe, by Philip Neyman and Cornerstone Christian Wealth Management.
3: Spartans,
6: lay down your weapons! Persians, Come and get them!
3: And with me is the National Rifle Association Western Regional Director, Dan Reed. And Dan, we were just talking about some of the most egregious acts that are being committed, you know, from San Francisco calling the NRA a domestic terrorist organization to some of the things coming out of Sacramento. And, you know, one of the bills that I want you to talk to our people about is dealing with the cost of having a concealed carry permit. And the people here in the Inland Empire have fought to have two sheriffs, Sheriff McMahon in here in uh, San Bernardino and Riverside County's new sheriff, Chad Bianco, who's doing an outstanding job in getting more people their concealed carry permits. But with this new piece of legislation that's going to the governor's desk, I have no doubt that um, Governor Newsom will most likely sign it unless we can get enough people to call in, and that's why I want to highlight this but it will basically remove what's presently in the law, which is a limit to how much local agencies can charge for a CCW. And Dan, I know you remember as we were talking during the break that I believe it was Marin County and a couple of others up in the Bay Area were charging in excess of $1,000. And I think it was much more than that, but I don't want to misquote the, the actual price tag, which was making it for, and I want people to think about this, you know, somebody who's a doctor, lawyer, That may be nothing to them to pay that every two years to have the ability to exercise their Second Amendment right, which I still find egregious. And I feel it overpriced because it doesn't cost the agency. It's just another tax on the American people, especially those living here in California. But I always try to look at, at the person in harm's way. And, you know, I think about that, you know adult who um, may have came out of a battered or, or violent situation, they they have children they're trying to protect, or the people that just are economically disadvantaged, they pay their taxes, they are law-abiding citizens, but they live in, in poor, poor areas where there's not a lot of law enforcement. This makes it so they can't exercise that right, because literally this gives tyrannical governments and local areas the ability to price people out of the bill, the the availability to defend themselves on a 24-hour basis. Dan, if you can kind of go into that, and then we'll go into a couple of the other bills, just to get people really pumped up because they need to be calling their state assembly, their state centers, and the governor's office like never before.
2: Sure. So the, the bill that you're referring to is AB 1297, sponsored by Assemblyman McCarty. And that bill's sitting uh, over-eligible for a vote on the Senate floor right now. And it removes the cap on CCW fees and uh, mandates uh, uh, recuperating costs for enforcement, which is incredibly broad. Right? What What does that even mean? And so this this could be utilized to price out the everyday person from being able to acquire a CCW. And a lot of this stems from from a local fight from from the assembly member and his sheriff here on on uh, utilization of funds and where he thinks those funds may or may not want to be directed within the County. Uh, But right now, you know, when we're looking at the costs associated with CCWs, one of the suggestions that we've continually made um, in response to this bill and actually we've run separate legislation on it as well, is if you're so concerned with the cost of CCW permits, there's a real easy solution to this. California has one of the shortest permit durations in the country. It's two years uh, for for the everyday Joe. Different for judicial officers, etc. But why not double the duration of the permit? Make it four years. Make it five years. Like like most other states in the country, CCW holders are having their background checks constantly run. And anytime there's some sort of uh, event that might trigger um, a revocation of a permit that's happening, and law enforcement will go out and revoke those permits so it 's a non issue whether it 's good for two years or three years or four years uh, these are These are good people, and they shouldn't be priced out of the market um, on exercising their rights and that 's exactly what this bill does is it's making it less available for the everyday california
3: and you know you brought up a point at the very beginning that the politician is in a fight in his local district with this sheriff. And this is one of the things that concerns me that I think a lot of our listeners and members of the Second Amendment community don't realize. The last line of defense outside of what you do on a daily basis, Dan, along with Roy up in the Capitol, and what we do as both the NRA and CRPA with our litigation teams are the sheriffs. They're the constitutional officers they are appointed in this state in the 58 counties to be able to defend our constitutional rights and make sure that the people aren't being asked to do things that are unconstitutional or being treated unfairly under the Constitution. And I think people don't understand what a job those sheriffs have to do when they have a rogue assembly person or senator, such as in this case, that we really need to get out there and support those that are doing the best to support us.
2: Absolutely, and one more point on this bill is, the sheriff's association isn't. there asking for an increase. None of the other issuing agencies are. they asking for a price increase because they can't. They can't process these permits for for what's currently allocated, and there is uh, room currently under statute for for price adjustments in accordance with the consumer price index. So, um, this this is really just another assault on law-abiding citizens, which is what we've seen with all the bills that are coming out. Uh, for the most part this session, is it's controlling the activities of the law-abiding and ignoring the criminal misuse and, uh, and, the, and the criminal element um, associated with, with certain types of violence.
3: Yeah, and that's a great point for the people here in the Inland Empire. During the last election between the two sheriffs in Riverside County, one of the, the points that was being made by the former sheriff was, hey, there's just not the resources or the funding, and Chad Bianco, who was the challenger and successfully won and is now the sheriff, you know, his proof is in the pudding, and he has proven that there were the resources because we've seen a significant increase in the number of CCWs under Chad Bianco being issued to the people of Riverside over what was done previously. And so the the argument about we need more resources is is an excellent one that you're making because that's not what the sheriffs are asking for nor the sheriff's association in this particular area so that's an excellent point we have a little over three minutes left dan what is like the one last issue that you would want people calling in and supporting the nra and the crpa on these bills as they go to the governor's desk
2: well rick there's there's still a lot of bills that are hanging out there um there's um a, a DROS increase, and I don't know if you talked about that. No, AD we did. Uh, 1869. Yep. Um, right now, when you go to purchase a firearm, there's a $25 fee that's made up of three separate fees. Uh, there's a $19 DROS for the background check and registration portions. There's a $1 um, uh, safety uh, enhancement fee, and there's a $5 safety fee. Uh, they're looking to take that $19 fee and raise it all the way up to $31 uh, and change. Um, there, we, we feel that before any of this should ever be done is the Dros account should be looked at because this is an account that's a mass surpluses, uh, in the 10 to the tune of tens of millions of dollars, uh, when, when gun transfers and checks were half of what they've been for the last seven or eight years. And so, uh, they're, they're putting more costs onto gun owners in this state to pay for um, a number of activities associated with DOJ that are outside what this C was intended for. That's AB 1669. People should be calling. Uh, their senators right now that's sitting on the Senate floor. Uh, also, there's the Precursor Parts Bill, which will require background checks on things that are not firearms, such as um, unfinished frames, upper receivers, etc. That bill passed the Senate yesterday. That's AB 879 and that is headed over to the assembly for a concurrence vote that will be eligible any day here. Uh, We also have a a bill that expands California's one-handgun-a-month law to apply uh, to additional firearms. Originally, this bill applied to all firearms. Now it's been limited to apply to just handguns or centerfire semi-automatic firearms, as well as it takes away the ability for those under 21, regardless of whether they have a hunting license or not, to purchase centerfire semi-automatic rifles unless they are active duty military or law enforcement. Again, this is another attack on law abiding citizens because as you and I both know, criminals are not going through the lawful channels to acquire their firearms. So whether there's a restriction on the number of firearms that you or I can lawfully purchase during a 30 day period, it's of no consequence to them because they're already going around the system um, and utilizing illegal means. Um, There's a, Also, a couple of gun violence restraining order bills that are out there, that's AB-12, that extends the duration uh, that a gun violence restraining order can be issued for up to five years, as well as AB-61, which expands reporters to include co-workers, employers, employees, employees of uh, secondary and post-secondary schools. And and let's recall that these orders are not based on criminal convictions or minimal adjudications, but based on third-party allegations with... Evidentiary standards that are, are are Low right? And we're doing no follow up There's no mental health evaluation There's no addressing right. any other element Of dangerousness that this person May or may not pose It just says you're too dangerous to own guns And have a nice day So people need to be engaged uh, Pay attention to NRA alerts, CRPA alerts There's a lot going on in the last 10 days of session here um, So get involved
5: Thank you Dan And now we go to our break if you carry a concealed weapon and own a concealed carry permit, you need protection beyond the weapon. My name is Larry Vickers, and I am a retired veteran of U.S. Special Operations, and I now teach law enforcement, civilians, and members of our military in advanced firearm training. I train people to use their firearms in almost any situation, but I can't prepare them for what happens if they are forced to use a gun to save their lives. That's why I use CCW Safe. visit ccwsafe.com today
0: am 590 the answer
1: this portion of the firing line is brought to you by prado olympic shooting park in chino and vortex optics vortex the force of optics
0: Conan, what is best in life to crush your enemies see them driven before you and they hear the lamentation of the women that is good,
4: <laughs> that
3: is good. Hi, we're back with our final segment here of the, this weekend's Firing Line Radio Show. My name is Rick Travis, the Executive Director of the California Rifle Pistol Association. And with me today, I will have our own biologist that works with both the California Rifle Pistol Association and National Rifle Association here on all matters, biological, conservation, hunting. But today, Nick Vela, who will be with us, and I are going to talk to you about something that most of you don't realize. Constantly, I'm telling people up and down the state, this is out of control. And I'm not just talking the Second Amendment. I'm not just talking the the fighting and the removal of your First Amendment rights. I'm not just talking about your inability to purchase guns like they can in the other 49 states of this country, including you know places like Massachusetts where it's actually became easier to do so. I'm talking about something different that sounds like you're in a movie theater. Imagine the screens rolling up and you see Huge wooden boats coming into a coastline with people sitting on the gunnels, that's the side of the boats, with their AR-15s, their AK-47s, their M4s, and other types of firearms from around the world. These people have been trained in camps by organizations that you have been led to believe are terrorist organizations, because they are. They're financed by cartels, and they come up in the middle of the night on the beach, they're picked up in vans, panel trucks, and other things, and escorted to the woods of California, because that's happening every week here in the Golden State. Northern California is being invaded by the Mexican cartels who are setting up literally camps that are reminiscent of third world actions taken by our own military. They look like camps that would hold Green Beret A-teams. These camps are highly trained. They're highly equipped. They use all types of subterfuge to cover their tracks to go in. They've been caught on game cameras, largely by hunters, turning them to the California um, mechanism known as tips. And we see up to 400 calls a month on this going on. This is not a one-off. This is an organized invasion of the United States of America and of the state of California. And that same government in Sacramento that wants to go after you, the law-abiding citizen, has done practically nothing. It has fallen on one department to stand in the gap for your rights. And that's the California department of fish and wildlife. Those men and women, the 400 that are out there to protect you have had 60 of them allotted to this fight. But even though, as we talk to you about what's going on in this, you need to realize that those 60 individuals are shutting down multiple operations weekly only to be facing the Hydra of mythical proportions of where two or three more camps get set up. And it's not just about illegal marijuana crops. Ladies and gentlemen, this is what these people are doing. They're building punji traps. Those were the traps that were used in Vietnam that it looks like there's ground. You walk on it, and next thing you know, you fall three to six feet onto spikes that if they don't kill you, they infect you. But instead of putting human feces like what was done in Vietnam, they're using an actual chemical that Nick is going to talk to you about that was developed by the Nazis. That's right. By Hitler and his thugs. His, one of their formulas has come to California, and it's not just designed to kill people. It's killing wildlife, and it is killing fish, and it is killing plant life, and it is being used to threaten the average person. Nick, can you tell us more about this chemical? Let me give you a, a
7: quick story on, on, on my experience, my personal experience with this whole issue. Over 30 years ago, I was hunting up in the Humboldt County area. I had my 30 stick in hand and I was wandering through the forest and I remember vividly seeing a stack of PVC pipe and a bunch of uh planting uh, paraphernalia and I thought what what the heck is this stuff doing out here out in the middle of nowhere? And the and my buddy who was familiar with what was going on he says we better back out of here because this is a marijuana grow. And that was back in the thir- back 30 years ago uh, when this thing was just starting to get going, and it was very pervasive, and it was very secretive. And as you described as of today, it's not quite as secretive as it used to be, and now we're starting to see this being a, a whole lot more bold and the effort by the cartels and other illegal factions just going out there on public land and just taking over. And not only is it in... And and an environmental disaster, it's also a safety issue as well. People are going to get hurt. uh, There's too much money and too much violence uh, involved here, and we're going to have to be really careful. And and so um, this is just a big issue that we need to deal with. As far as the chemical that you were talking about, Rick, uh, carbotheran, what the cartels have been doing, they have been – They've been they've pulled out all the stops in protecting their crops and on public land, and that means away from people, away from other cartels, as well as wildlife. And as you would expect, bears, raccoons, deer, all forms of wildlife that that inhabit the, the forest and our public lands, do invade. The marijuana grows, and so in order to keep them off, the uh, cartels have laced bait with uh, carbofuran, and it kills the animals. Um, and not only does it kill the animals, but it's so persistent that anything that eats on the animals, whether it's a small uh, organism or another predator or a scavenger, that compound stays in the environment, and it keeps moving through the system. So it isn't just a one-time thing. It continues to say in the environment, and it continues to kill, it's it's a dangerous substance to be used.
3: You know, recently I was at a conference that was dealing with this as one of its highlights in, in Lake Tahoe about a month ago, and it was interesting because one of the reports that came out was as the wardens were moving in on one of the camps, they dumped the carbofuran, as I believe is what it's called, into the water supply. It went down the river, and it wiped out even, like, fish for, like, up to five miles, And I think people don't realize this is the cost of the drug war in California. And this is the thing that's not making the nightly news. It should, because the last time I checked, when you have a group of foreigners showing up heavily armed, setting up military-style camps, that's called an invasion. And I'm really curious from a biological standpoint Explain to the people how long does it take an environmental area once all the wildlife's been wiped out by something like carboferrin? How long does it take that wildlife to reestablish in that area and and clean it up and make it safe?
7: Well, in most cases, even uh, uh, in the simplest of terms, it's it's years, and if if a chemical is persistent, um, it, it could be it could be decades. I mean, we talk about petroleum products that, that have have many years in in. In uh, dissipating, uh, Carbofuran stays in the environment. It's persistent. It, it it takes a long time, but it isn't just the chemical itself. These uh, plantations, if you will, not only are they using chemicals to ward off wildlife and and, and other creatures, is they're they're mowing down tracts of, of of forests. They're removing all vegetation for the benefit of growing marijuana. And so it isn't just the chemicals they're using. They're they're wiping out forests physically, me- mechanically. Uh, they're dumping uh, fertilizers, uh, various kinds of pesticides, herbicides, uh, and a variety of other chemicals for the benefit of, of growing marijuana. And it's all wa- staying in our watershed. It's moving down the river system. It's killing aquatic organisms, and it's invading the entire ecosystem. So. It, it, it's doing a hell of a lot of damage and and you you talk about some of the uh, fires that are happening down in in um, South America uh, with the, the rainforest being burned down this is equally onerous the, the issue with this too is is that we're not seeing it the to day citizen is not seeing what's happening because a lot of these guys are very secretive they're on public lands deep in the forest and nobody knows it a few of us hunters yes we see it we back out of there and of course the Department of Fish and Wildlife they they're acting on it now and uh, they've got a big road ahead of them on this one
3: I want to thank you Nick for being on and explain that to the people because I'm going to close this this program with this. Ladies and gentlemen, these are public lands. These are the lands that your taxpayer dollars pay for. These are the lands that were gifted to us by our, our future, our, by our previous generations, and the ones that were to protect for the future generations. You need to call your assembly people, your senators, the governor's office, and say enough is enough. Stop this invasion. Whether it takes the National Guard or whatever resources, But we are losing our land. And pretty soon, we're not just going to lose the wildlife and the watershed and all those issues that will have long-lasting problems, but the very places where you want to go to experience nature, hunt, fish, those are going to be wiped out within a decade or two by these cartels. This is your land. And if you don't fight for it, nobody will because Sacramento is proving they don't have the stomach for this fight. We need to vote these people out of office and get people in who will fight for the very land that was given to us and that we will give to future generations. Failing to do so is failing to live up to who we really are as a people. Thank you. My name is Rick Travis. I'm the Executive Director of the California Rifle Pistol Association. Next week, you'll have the great Philip Neyman back. Thank you for this opportunity. And be safe, shoot straight, and fight back.
6: Shoot, Felipe.
7: Shoot. <laughs> When you have to shoot, shoot. Don't talk.
1: The Firing Line Radio Show has been brought to you by Bullseye Sports in Riverside, the Riverside Indoor Shooting Range, CCW Safe, Cutting Edge Bullets, Prado Olympic Shooting Park in Chino, Vortex Optics, Vortex, the force of optics, and by Philip Naiman and Cornerstone Christian Wealth Management